0: you are Locked On Packers. Your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of packerreport.com, part of the scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. And in today's show, we're going to take one final look back at the Green Bay Packers 38 to 10 victory over the Seattle Seahawks at Lambeau Field on Sunday. Before we get going, I'd like to remind you to please check out the rest of the great Locked On Podcast Network, which includes Locked On in NFL and Locked On Fantasy. If you like what you're listening to, you can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and Android app. And please check out my work over at packerreport.com. Packer Report members get the world's best preview, and they get 10% discounts on tickets through Ticket Monster, and 10% discounts on gear through a shop at Fanatics and new or renewing annual members. Get one year of Sports Illustrated. So that's really a great deal—a year worth of my coverage over a pack report and one year of the greatest sporting magazine on God's green earth. All right, down to the show. Second down will be a look at the offense against Seattle. Third down the defense. Fourth down—you guessed it—special teams. But first, it's first down and a couple of odds. It ends from Lambeau Field from yesterday. First, the injury update, and that would be that there is no injury update. Coach Mike McCarthy had nothing to offer on injured players. A list that includes quarterback Aaron Rodgers, who, as you know, injured his right calf in the third play of the game against Seattle. He added on to the injured left hamstring from from a couple weeks ago. And Rodgers is walking through the locker room after the game in slow motion. Didn't stop Rodgers from an autograph signing last night in the Lambeau Field Atrium. A signing for the Salvation Army of Green Bay. Uh, 200 people, 100 bucks a pop. With Aaron Rodgers matching that donation, according to the Salvation Army, the donations were $21,236. Rodgers, as he had been doing throughout these weekly Packers autograph sessions, doubled that out of his own money, which brought the total of $42,472, And with all that money going toward families, seniors, and the homeless in Green Bay. A great cause and typical great community work by the Packers MVP quarterback. Back to riders in his health, though, well, he can't really move around too much as far as getting outside the pocket, making those big first down runs. He's at least able to move in the pocket a little bit. Here's uh, Mike McCarthy on that from yesterday. I think he showed that, just his ability to reset his feet. I mean, if you can't reset your feet, I don't know how you can perform. But his ability to reset his feet and extend the progression of the route concepts was key. As long as he can do that, then we'll be fine. Um, McCarthy has also asked about the playoff chase and the fact that Green Bay didn't make up any ground yesterday, or excuse me, on Sunday. Um, McCarthy didn't have a whole lot of interest in talking about that. We will talk about the playoff picture tomorrow. Um, McCarthy uh, preferring to focus on this week's game against the Bears. Chicago 3-10, but I don't think this is just lip service from McCarthy. Uh, in Chicago's last four games, they're 1-3. But they've lost games to the Giants, who are going to the playoffs. Tennessee, which is tied for the AFC South lead, and Detroit, which leads the NFC North, the Bears lost those three games by a combined 15 points. And if you want to tie two things together here between Rodgers' injury and the Bears playing okay, the Bears have 33 sacks. That is, uh, I think, number six in the league. If I, I forgot to write that down before I started the podcast, but they are—it's definitely a top 10 sack total. They've got three guys with at least seven. So on a it is gonna be horribly cold, too. I know the Green Bay forecast for, for Sunday is one degree. One. Um I think I, I put that on Twitter, and someone from Chicago said we're talking three down here was his reply to me. So it's gonna be a miserably cold day. And if Green Bay doesn't come ready to play, they're gonna be in trouble. So that I think that I think McCarthy's probably. You know, a lot of times, you know, these coaches, it's, it's, it's coach speak that we have a lot of respect for the opponent, yada, 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 yada. But, you know, I, I think this one is true. You know, the Bears defense has played pretty well. The quarterback can't move. And the weather is going to be horrible. I think you can put all those things together and McCarthy's going to have a uh, look. They, they just beat Seattle and they've got Minnesota and Detroit coming up. You know, this this looks like the cliched trap game. I think McCarthy's probably wary of that already this week.
0: The list.
1: All right, on to second down, and that is the offense against Seattle, and we'll lead off of that with Ty Montgomery. And Montgomery playing running back, and that became a storyline again when Coach Mike McCarthy said this: "Ty, he's a running back. I apologize for not making an announcement. He isn't going to a receiver meeting in months." Well, we talked about this a long time ago. I mean, this is back when Eddie Lacy was was healthy, and James Starks was there. So, I mean, Green Bay had their full complement of running backs. And I remember talking to you about practice one day when Ty Montgomery was only at running back. He was running pass routes at the running backs instead of the receivers. He was taking handoffs. And I thought most importantly, he was going through blitz pickup stuff and and pass protection stuff. So I I didn't think this was a a gigantic newsworthy thing, but everybody was kind of eating it up among the reporting staff. Uh, Montgomery, again, played extremely well at running back. Um, By 9 carries, 41 yards, 3 catches, 45 yards. uh, To the running game, by my count, 36 of the 41 yards came after contact, and he broke 5 tackles. So a heck of a day there. Uh, Here's offensive coordinator Edgar Bennett. You go back and look at what he was able to accomplish this past game. Broke a lot of tackles. That's the number one thing that stood out. Played with very good balance. Accelerated his feet on contact. And then he saw our offensive line as well, and some of our other players come in there and push the pile, moving it forward. But he's a weapon. He's a versatile player that can really create a matchup to your advantage. And that's something that Coach McCarthy has stressed as far as putting guys in a position to be playmakers and make the most of their opportunities. Of course, he's. Look, he's the best running back, right? I mean, there's. I mean, James Starks, his season's pretty. Uh, he's been told pretty well by now. He's urging, you know. A couple feet per carry, it seems. And Kristen uh, Michael can't be trusted to go the right direction. So Montgomery's really the best guy. And, you know, I've gotten this for weeks. So why don't they give him more touches? And I, as I keep telling people, he might be playing running back. He might be running back. But he's still a receiver playing running back. And, and, and by that, I mean he's trained to be a wide receiver for years. You know, going back to his years at Stanford and the first couple years here, he trained to be a wide receiver. And that's a different kind of training a different kind of body than a running back and I just don't think he's designed to handle 15 carries a game. Now maybe next year, maybe next year he'll be able to do that. Once he can train to be a running back and and put on I don't want to say put on weight because he's already a big enough guy but put on weight in the right spots and you know kind of build that padding as it's as they call it. So um I I, and I think that showed up Late in the second half, or late late in the second quarter, on a nice outside run, he got hit, and he stayed down on a knee on the sideline for a good two or three minutes. And 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 they they were checking on his shoulder, and you know he so he ends up rushing the ball seven times in the first half, and only two in the second half. So I I think that play was a pretty good reminder of he probably can't have a steady diet of Montgomery running back. Now as these games get more important, and if these guys make the playoffs. Then I then I think maybe all bets are off, and you, you you run your horses out there, and you hope that that Montgomery can can withstand a heavy workload for you know in a theoretical you know four or six game march to the Super Bowl. I, th- I think you have to maybe react that way, but I, th- I think you at least got to play it safe. It helps if you are have Montgomery, and it helps if you have a limited mobility quarterback to have a good offensive line. And the Packers have had just that. Every Monday, we get data from Pro Football Focus that they send to us, and all year long, Green Bay's O-line has been number one in their pass protection metric, and you saw that again against Seattle. Uh, Riders, 24 dropbacks, sacked one time. According to Pro Football Focus, no sacks and no quarterback hits charged against that O-line. The uh the, few, the one sack and the few hits where he, the uh, PFF charged to Rodgers for holding the ball too long. So the line's been great. I mean, you look at the defensive stats here. Michael Bennett, one of the best D linemen in the league. Three tackles, including one for loss, no quarterback hits. Cliff Averill, who had 10 sacks entering the game. Two tackles, two quarterback hits, but no sacks. And Frank Clark, their number three DN, who had, I believe, seven and a half sacks in the game, not even on the stat sheet. So that is great work by, you know, basically everyone involved, especially the tackles, Brian Blaga and David Bakhtiari, who have been great all year. And I have no idea about tackles the rest of the league. I do know that they are playing like pro bowlers. I don't know. I couldn't tell you if the left tackle for Tampa Bay has been all world this year or not. Not a clue, and I think anybody out there who thinks they know probably is lying to you, unless you're like the Pro Football Focus guys and you got metrics, but metrics. But again, I have no idea if they're going to be Pro Bowlers, but they've been terrific. T.J. Lang has been great. When's the last time that you thought about Lane Taylor? Probably never. And you, maybe you'll think about him this week with with Josh Sitton, uh, I believe, being back in the starting lineup for the Bears, and Corey Lindsay is better than J.C. Tretter at center. So the line has been terrific and has given riders all the time he's needed, uh, whether injured or not. So, you know, a tip of the cap to those guys for what they did against the Seahawks on Sunday. And that takes us to third down, and it would be the Packers' defense. You go back during that four-game losing streak. The last two games were uh, the losses to Tennessee and Washington. In that Washington game, they allowed 42 points. The last three games against Philly, Houston, and Seattle, a total of 36. Now, we'll get into the turnaround tomorrow. I've got got some thoughts on that. But I think a few guys merit attention from their game against Seattle. One, safety Morgan Burnett. He played all 71 snaps. 63 of those at linebacker. Green Bay backs basically played their dime defense the entire game. And that, to me, was the key to everything. And I wrote about this over at PackerReport.com. With, more, with Burnett playing linebacker, what they call the whip position. But essentially, it's, it's a six-defensive back lineup, which you know usually you run that on third and ten or whatever, and you're trying to put DBs out there to, to stop a third-down conversion. By the numbers, Seattle ran the ball pretty well, but the reality is they didn't run it well enough to run Green Bay out of that. And if Seattle would have run the ball down the Packers' throats, and say it's a close say it's a close game in the first half, and Seattle's got 80 rushing yards and they're really controlling things. Capers probably has to get it out of that defense because they're getting killed, and that opens up Russell Wilson, and it opens up maybe more importantly, Jimmy Graham, the Seahawks tight end. Graham, of course, was one of the best in the business. He had three yard games. He had, I believe six games of six catches, and Green Bay had been killed by tight ends for most of the season, but especially the last four games which I documented over a Packer Report. But they didn't run it well enough to, change, to make Capers change his mind. And then, of course, Green Bay took the lead so they could stick with it. And that was the key. Jimmy Graham had one catch. One catch for maybe the best receiving threat tight end in the NFL. And if not number one, he's number two behind Gronk. And on top of that, Russell Wilson was not allowed to get out of the pocket. I mean, he, he had two scrambles that were of note where and both of them, Julius Peppers, rushed upfield too far, and he um, Wilson ran up the field inside of him. But Burnett's play at linebacker, look, he's not a linebacker. I mean, this isn't Dayon Buchanan from the Cardinals, where you can actually play this defense and win with it. Green Bay can't do that, but it was good enough against Seattle. And, you know, it also helps that the Seahawks' O-line stinks, right? I mean, that's... Let's be honest about this. The Seahawks line line stinks. You can probably get away with playing a safety and linebacker. So they got away with it. And that was big, in my opinion, in keeping Graham and Wilson in check. Number two, Dayton Jones. If you're going to play with 36-year-old Julius Peppers as one outside linebacker, and you don't have Nick Perry, and you barely have Clay Matthews, you've got to find ways to generate some edge rush. And Dayton Jones showed up. Man, I didn't realize this until I looked at the game book on Sunday night in the uh, press box. Jones had five quarterback hits. That's big time. I mean, Green Bay as a team had nine. Seattle as a team only had three. Jones had five. And I'm sure it's his career high. I'll have to go back and take a look at that for a story later today. But he was terrific other than the the stupid um, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty early in the game. He was really good. Really gave them what they needed. Cornerback Demarius Randall, the two picks, obviously. That one interception that he had where Seattle has a guy running, to use a Dom Capers phrase, flat free up the seam, and that looks like a touchdown. I mean, I, I watched the, the replay on, on Fox, on, on my DVR yesterday, and you could hear the crowd groan when they see the receiver wide open for a touchdown. And there's Demarius Randall, who's making coverage on um, the offensive right side slash defensive left sideline. And he is like a shot running over and picking off that pass. One of the more athletic plays I can remember seeing in, in a long time. Number three. Actually, this is number four now. I, I can count. Burnett is one. Daytone. two. <laughs> Dude, that's why I'm a journalist and in, in a uh, pretend podcaster because I can count. Um, Joe Thomas. Backup linebacker. The dime linebacker for the start of the year, you know Blake Martinez out again. Jake Ryan clearly limited. They're looking for athleticism. When you're playing against Russell Wilson, you need athletics athleticism. It's a good thing I'm a it's a good thing I'm a podcaster now. I can speak English. I um, mean, but he played all 71 defensive snaps, 10 tackles, and again, he's a liability against the run. I mean, there's no getting around that. He's he's just too small. But against the pass and in coverage, and as far as spying Wilson, which he did a lot of the game, did a heck of a job at that. And then there's Christian Ringo, who Keith and I had a lot of fun with in our podcast last night. I'm I'm sure you know the play I'm talking about. It's third down. Green Bay's got 10 guys in the field. Ringo comes running out late. And right in stride, the Seahawks snapped the ball so it becomes like a 30-yard head start blitz, and he smacks into left guard Mark Glowinski, sends Glowinski flying backward, right into the lap of Russell Wilson. Wilson, with a unable to step into the pass, airmails his pass out into the flat incomplete pass. Actually, I think I misspoke there. I don't, I don't think it was a third down play, but you know, either way, a funny play, not especially a noteworthy play, but super funny. All the serious writers up in the press box laughing our butts off, watching what happened. Here's our defense coordinator, Dom Capers, having some fun with it as well on Monday. I'd like to tell you that was part of the game plan. We put our dime defense out there, and Christian thought he was going to come out. By the time he got over to the sideline, we only had 10 people out, and everybody's yelling, so he got a running start on that guard. He probably would like to rush like that all the time. He might come in and request that. We can get that 20-yard start to run at the guard because he knocked him back into the quarterback. I'll say that. So, those, I mean, those are all noteworthy plays on really the most remarkable defensive performance I've seen in a long time. Where, you know what, they, they played fine against Philly, they played fine against the Houston, you know, whatever. Saddles a whole other animal on offense because they can run the ball, the quarterback is great, they've got weapons. And Green Bay shut them down in five interceptions for the first time since 2006. And finally, fourth down, a ho-hum game but the Packers special teams, and in this case, home is good because Seattle, as we mentioned last week, entered the game ranked number one in my Packer report special teams rankings. Returner Tyler Lockett didn't get a single chance on four punts, and while he averaged twenty-seven point two yards per kickoff return, which are pretty, good, which that's a good number. If you look at the field position, Seattle's average starting point following a kickoff was at twenty-six. So was Green Bay. So it was, it was a drawn kickoff returns. And Green Bay won the net punt with Jake Shum punting former Packers punter Jake Ryan. Shum's net punt, 38.5 on four kicks with three inside the 20. Jake Ryan also four punts with a 34-yard net and two inside the 20. So victory's there for Green Bay. And, you know, it's the same deal. The offense playing better. The defense playing much better. And the special teams... Playing much better, and this is what you want this time of year. You know, it's all well and good to be playing great football in September and October, but this is the time of year that you need to play well. And certainly, if you're the Packers, you don't want it, you don't want to be four and six and having to be in must-win mode for the last month and a half of your season. But the Packers are playing the best football of the year, and this is exactly when you want it. So all arrows are pointing up. We'll see if they can keep this up at Chicago on Sunday. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Thank you, as always, for listening. Like I've said before, I would not do this without you because I have no interest in talking to myself for a half hour every morning. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day, and I will talk to you tomorrow.
0: the list.